from Trimble Construction, you're listening to the Connected Construction Show, where we connect you to the contractors, owners, designers, engineers, and construction professionals who are finding better ways to work. And now, here's your host, Matt Sprague. Hello, and welcome back, everybody, to the Connected Construction Show. I am your host, Matt Sprague. Uh, Very excited. Uh, As always, I'm excited for every single one of our shows and the conversations and the guests that we have. Uh, But uh, today we have uh, the uh, privilege of having not two guests, but we have a co-host and a guest. So before we get to uh, the the main attraction, which is our our guest uh, Amanda Whitaker, uh, I'd like to introduce everybody to uh, Nick Frank. Nick is a senior digital content producer for Trimble. Nick, welcome to the show. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, for sure. Uh, working in the owner and public sector of Trimble, uh, creating video, audio, digital assets uh, of all sorts for the Trimble marketing public sector, focusing on that transportation asset management lifecycle side of things. Uh, and excited to talk a little transportation finance today. It's always fun to talk finance, isn't yes, it? It is. <laughs> so our guest today is Amanda Whitaker, who is the Director of Funding Services at Withers Ravenel. Amanda, welcome to the show. Thanks. So for the benefit of of everybody, not only myself and, and Nick, but everybody who's listening and watching, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, uh, what you do at R- Withers Ravenel, um, and what your passions are uh, around, uh, you know, construction, around the construction industry. As you said, I'm the director of funding at Withers, and we have a team of folks who, um, what we do is we're charged with finding funding sources for our clients for infrastructure, construction projects, um, community economic development projects. So, Lots of different funding sources, loans, grants, um, funding strategies. That's what our team of folks um, specializes in. And my background that led me to this was really working with local government and in local government um, as the beginning of my career. And really what I intended to set out um, doing was economic development. So my passion kind of drives from that. And, and then there was obviously the need for grants when you work in local government that kind of pushed me into funding and funding strategies. So, Amanda, I'm curious to kind of dive in further in that. When you were, you know, trying to figure out what you wanted to do, what was the financial route? How did that get started? So it normally got started because there was a gap. There wasn't enough money to complete the project. Or um, we were trying to lure a company to come to our community and we needed to have a nice site or we needed to have infrastructure at the site. So we were trying to determine um, at the local government level how we could be the most attractive for a company to come. And normally that was providing um, buildings and sites that had all the necessary infrastructure that they needed to come in and upfit that building or build on that site um, to make it work for them. So. Uh, I found that there was always a need for funding on those projects and filling those gaps um, from from the local government budget um, and the company's budget, trying to make it all work together, really helped me um, with the funding strategy side of things. So when you're talking about um, infrastructure, so is that, is that a bit more of an expanded definition in terms of not only infrastructure for 
for uh, public utilities and, and, and railroads and bridges and all that type of stuff, but, uh, but infrastructure for economic development. Yes. So, you know, when we talk about assets, assets mean a lot of different things. Um, it can be infrastructure in the ground. It can be a road. It can be a railroad. It can be Wi-Fi technology for your community. It can be lots of different things. But in the economic development world, it includes all of that, as well as your portfolio of land options and building options for um, a developer or a company that may want to come in. So your asset portfolio includes not only your true infrastructure that's in the ground um, or roads, um, but also it includes the actual land and the buildings. Gotcha. So that's, it's, an interesting, um, it's an interesting point to make, right? Because everything around the, the term infrastructure right now is you know the bipartisan infrastructure law and yes. and at, you know all, it's all around what our what our standard definition of infrastructure is but there's also that that piece that you just brought up so that's awesome so um when you're when you're talking about uh aiding local governments with their infrastructure funding you know like how are you aiding them uh in in that effort so it depends on where you're at and what local government um, you're working with. But the, the normal process is they, um, they come to us with some project to begin with, something on the table that they need funding for. And sometimes we can look at that project and we can say, absolutely, there's a funding source available to help you to get this project done. Um, but that's normally rare. Uh, typically, what we say is, do you have a CIP? And a CIP, um, for those who aren't in the local government world, is a capital improvement plan. And that can include lots of different types of projects um, for water and infrastructure, for roads, sidewalks. It just, you know, depends on um, the size of the local government, what their infrastructure looks like, what their budget looks like. But um, hopefully they have some sort of capital improvement planning document in place. And normally that is just a list of, it can be as simple as a list of projects, their cost, and then what year, you know, a span of five to 10 years, you expect to be able to afford to pay for that particular project. Um, so it's just a planning tool. And that's normally the first place that we start. Um, if they happen not to have that planning tool in place, then normally we kind of back up and say, okay, would you like for us to help you find some planning dollars? Because there's lots of planning dollars out there now in order to get this tool in place so that you can start developing a plan of action um, so that you're not just coming up with a reactive, this needs to be fixed or we need to do this. You have a proactive plan in place that allows you to really seek the funding that you need and put together a true financial package of how we're going to pay for these assets and how we're going to expand if we need to in the future on what we have. So we normally start there. Um, and a good example is, you know, you might have 10 projects on your CIP. Um, it may not be number one, project that fits best with the funding source. So we look at the projects that are listed and then we try to match those up with the funding sources or funding agencies, um, whether that be 
local agencies, state agencies, federal agencies that have dollars available, and we match the priorities of those agencies with the projects. So if, if their priorities, water and sewer infrastructure, then we look at those projects you have on your CIP and determine how we can make those fit with their program. Um, so we typically take that document, look at it, try to match up as many projects as we can with funding sources. You also have to be mindful of, you know, when those applications may be due and when your timelines are. Um, so we do that first, and then we come back to the local government and say, these are the ones that we feel like we can get with funding, either low interest loans or grants. We always go after grants first. Um, and then these are the ones that you're likely going to have to fill those gaps in with your budget. And so your CIP, it has to be kind of a living, moving, breathing document that you reassess every year and really determine what's available and how we can best fund these projects. So um, having that planning tool in place, you may not call it a CIP, you know, you can call it whatever you want, but having that planning tool in place with the project, some sort of cost estimate um, normally, you can get funds that will help you really develop those from an engineering standpoint um, can make a big difference when it comes to funding strategies and how to budget for those projects in the future. So when um, you talk about, you know, they, can, they might name it something other than a, a SIP, you know, there's, there's STIP, there's TIPS, there's all these type of things, but are they publicly available? Normally, they are. Normally, from a local government standpoint, those are adopted during their budget process. Sometimes they're included as in what they call their budget ordinance that they adopt annually. Sometimes um, they may be on their website for their utilities um, folks or for their transportation department. Um, if you can't find it, you can always request it and they typically can provide you that document because most of this stuff is going to be public information at the local government level. Uh, I was gonna say the reason I asked um, was so they were with this conversation is very much like on like how 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 you can help the the owner agencies uh prepare and get funding but i think there's a twist here that um contractors and subcontractors can take advantage of 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 having visibility into what projects are coming um, Absolutely. To better position themselves to, to to potentially win those bids too, right? Because there there are certain uh, specificity in terms of of what what's being looked at and and um, what is actually being executed upon. Is that right? Yes. Well, it's certainly a planning tool that can be used by the contractors as well, so they can look at it. They know potentially what's coming in the future, what those projects might look like. And if it's something they're interested in, making sure they have the crews and the folks that are available to be able to bid on that and get it done within the time frame that the uh, local government agency has defined. So, yes, they can plan for those bids to come out in the future and be prepared to respond to those. And Amanda, as we dive deeper into the planning and, you know, you've mentioned the importance of the capital investment plan and matching up the right projects with the right amount of funding. For local governments to take full advantage of that, what are some of the pre-planning steps they can do to make sure that, you know, when they're coming up with these plans and trying to get the right dollars for their plans, how can they be a bit more competitive when they're coming up with those strategies? So I think it's important when you're putting together your, your plan, your capital improvement plan or whatever that document may be, to think about um, 
your timelines to think about your funding sources as you're putting it together. So when you're when you're looking at these projects, thinking about how um, you're going to fund it and not just saying it's going to cost just two million dollars. But is this something realistically that we can pay for out of our um, enterprise fund or um, if it's a general fund uh, project, can we pay for it out of that? Is, is our budgeted dollars available? If not, then you need to start thinking about how to put projects together that meet the priorities of these agencies. And thinking about how you can break those up, you can phase them so that um, if it's only $5 million that you can get, then and it's a $15 million project, making sure that you phase it out or at least be flexible enough to phase it out. Um, if you need to and you can't get all that funding, being willing to um, be flexible enough to maybe consider some low interest loans. A lot of times um, that is something that folks are not as interested in when we approach local governments about planning is um, they won't all grant, but some of these loans offer really good interest rates that you're never going to get on the standard market. Um, and it's still feasible for them to do from a budgetary standpoint, um, much more feasible for them to do than borrowing the money in a traditional way. So I think you, you certainly have to think about your projects in a different light other than just here's what needs to be done. Um, and then also in terms of an asset management um, standpoint, thinking about um, sustainability of these projects, how you're going to continue to keep um, the lines in the ground or the, the roads that you're maintaining um, regularly maintained. How are you going to pay for this in the future? You know, it's nice to get a grant to put it to put it in or to, to repair it now. How are you going to continue to keep that up? Um, and there are lots of planning dollars and, and things in place now, especially coming out of um, the infrastructure bill and the American Rescue Plan Act. There's lots of dollars out there for people to start thinking about other ways to manage their assets. Um, and it doesn't have to just be a paper document on a shelf. Um, it can really be um, software or, or ways that they can manage these um, assets in a different light other than just um, putting together a plan that they put on the shelf until next year when they have to reassess it. So you're telling us that there's better ways than Excel spreadsheets to put these together. Yes. Now, there's nothing wrong with an Excel spreadsheet. If that's your starting point, it's a great starting point for some smaller local governments to at least get some thoughts, some projects on paper, but certainly better ways than a, just a simple Excel spreadsheet to help you to plan um, for the future and to make sure that you're properly maintaining these assets so that you're not constantly coming back for repairs. You, and you brought up uh, you know the the idea of like planning and, and designing for for the idea of sustainability and it's important right because a lot the the way the industry has been in terms of the digital transformation and the connectedness has been very siloed right we we we've we've accomplished a lot of great things on the planning and design then we've accomplished some really great things on the construction side and then we've done some great things on the operations and maintenance, but it's important to connect those three areas, um, especially connecting the the um, the foresight 
for the operations and maintenance to the planning and design piece to make sure that it's a, that though that money is being utilized uh, even more efficiently. Yes, and I think it makes your application stronger and more competitive if you're able to talk about um, how you plan to continue to operate your systems in the future and what that might look like. Um, and it's not just, you know, a thought of how we're going to maintain it or how we're going to repair it or install it today, but how we're going to do that in the future. It's certainly something that I think that funding agencies like to see that you're thinking further than, you know, five years, um, because from an infrastructure standpoint, a lot of things sit in the ground for 40 years before people are actually thinking about it. Those are things that, um, are available and folks can certainly take advantage of from a funding standpoint and from planning dollars to help them to um, be better and more proactive in managing their assets. When we talk about the the, the different grants that are available, there's there's restrictions to those pieces. So what, what type of restrictions are tied to those uh, federal grants that everybody loves so much? So I'm going to start with, you know, the kind of top tier grant is a federal grant. Um, but I want to make sure before people think, well, I don't have a federal grant, so none of this applies to me. Sometimes the state gets federal dollars and those are federal pass through dollars. So you may have a state grant, but it was its main source is from a federal agency. So you have to make sure before you accept funding that you realize where the, the actual source of the dollars are coming from so that you can know what your compliance is going to be on the back end. Once you accept these dollars, what what are you doing in exchange for this grant? You know, lots of federal programs out there um, also have federal laws and acts that we've put into place years ago that complement that funding. And so they expect you to do a certain level of compliance. If you get it directly from the federal government, you're looking at always um, what we call Davis-Bacon Act wage. You know, federal labor wage standards are going to apply. So both the local government and the contractor really need to be aware of um, that particular compliance component for a federal project, because that means that you have to pay a certain wage um, or provide benefits that complement the wages that you are paying that can equal out to the same hourly wage. You must pay overtime if they work over 40 hours. You know, a lot of times we have guys working on these crews from a construction standpoint that may be foremans. If they get on a piece of equipment and they are a foreman that actually works as well, um, they can no longer be in that salary category where they're an exempt employee. So thinking about these things as you're bidding on a project from a construction standpoint is going to be really important, knowing what classifications are going to be required and what pay is going to be required because it may be different than what they're making on another job that's not funded. And so the, con the contractor needs to know that when they bid on the project so they can properly bid. And the local government needs to know that because from their standpoint, they're going to be collecting documents from these folks to prove that they paid these wages. Um, they're going to be going out on site doing employee interviews. So making sure that all the employees are aware. I mean, how many of us think how much do we make an hour? What is our classification? So making sure that they know what that is, that what they're doing on site matches that and um, all of your paperwork that is collected 
um, accurately reflects what is happening on site um, is really important. And it's important from both aspects. So I think that if it's a federal project, it's one of the first things I talk about with contractors at your pre-cons and your pre-bids so that they're aware and that they're giving us accurate prices. Um, another nuance is going to be your timeline. Um, if we look at the infrastructure bill money, if we look at the ARPA money that um, has come out, they have a lot of tight time frames. So um, I think it's attractive to go after a grant. But when we're talking about a construction project that hasn't even been engineered and you have to get all the engineering and design and then you have to bid it out and a contractor has to get started in a traditional world, um, it can take 18 to 24 months with a funded project with all the compliance components to get it to bid for construction. Um, and then depending on the type of project, it can take, you know, six months to a year to construct it for um, a typical infrastructure project. So you have to be mindful of that when you're going after these dollars as well. And from a construction standpoint, do you have the availability to get started immediately to get finished because they have really tight timeframes? ARPA dollars um, in a lot of states are getting these pass-through monies out the door now. So um, local governments are getting their contracts and they have to have those obligated meaning all under contract, bid out, under contract, all the money is signed off um, by 2024, which sounds like a long time from now, but when you're going through the design and the bid, it, it's not. Um, and then they have to have everything expended and complete by 2026. Um, and we all know that there has been delays in getting materials, um, construction crews are stretched thin, so we have to really think about those timelines when we're looking at um, federal dollars, especially if they're a specific type of federal dollars that have, have been pushed through because of the economy or whatever, and they're wanting to get them spent fast. Um, another thing that I really tell people that's interesting is a lot of infrastructure type projects will come out of HUD, which is our federal housing agency. Um, your CDBG, Community Development Block Grants, will pay for infrastructure projects. Um, water and sewer projects in local communities that are um, disadvantaged. So when you're thinking about that, you also have to think about fair housing. So you wouldn't think that you're going to be worried about fair housing when you're not building houses or, or doing anything with housing, but you, you have to do fair housing activities quarterly. Um, so there's a lot of nuances around federal dollars. Um, and then when they're state pass-through dollars, the state can have another layer of um, compliance that they may put on them from the state standpoint. So really being aware of the funding source is going to be key for the local government to be prepared um, on what it's going to take from a compliance standpoint to um, to have all your files in place and to be in good, good shape when you get that audit from the state or federal folks. So I'm, I'm hearing all of these nuances and trying to, and, and I would imagine it's a moving target, that the nuances, uh, new things are added, things are taken away. So do, do, does your company specialize like on a, a certain size or uh, agency? Um, I'm assuming it's the ones that don't necessarily have the, 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 um, the amount of staff that would have this, uh, the, the time 
to keep all these type of things straight. So do you guys focus on a particular piece of the market? Um, for administration, yes. So for, for grant strategies, funding strategies, seeking dollars, no. Um, you're going to go after the dollars that are appropriate for the size of the community, their projects. Um, some are for smaller communities, um, and that's, that's who um, can apply, and some are open to everyone, and it's more project-based in terms of the priorities. But from an administrative standpoint, we have a team of folks who administer these grants, and a lot of the grants will give you um, dollars to hire a third party a grant administrator and they will hold your hand and make sure that you have all the compliance components in place um, and then at the end when you're monitored or audited they'll be there with you to make sure all your files are where they need to be so um, from that standpoint usually you're looking at the mid to smaller communities that do not have in-house grant writers grant administrators um, and folks that really can give, you know, 40 hours a week towards all of the particular grants that you may have um, and making sure that the compliance components are taken care of. So Matt touched on the restrictions kind of being a moving target, and you've already kind of talked a little bit about sustainability. Are you seeing some restrictions or guidance that sustainability has to become a factor, or do you see that kind of being a future implemented kind of guideline and restriction more on the sustainability side? Um, I would say it's a little bit of both. Some agencies are starting to talk about sustainability and, and designing things that are more sustainable. Um, and that is, I think, from the federal government all the way down to your local um, agencies that may grant these dollars out or even pass through dollars. Um, but I would say that sustainability is something that um, hasn't always been thought of, but they're certainly thinking about it because um, we have to make these dollars stretch. And so they're not always going to be able to go back and they're putting time limits on if, if you, if you applied for these dollars, you know, three or four years ago, you can't come back for these dollars. So they're starting to, to put things into place that's going to push the local governments to think further in the future um, in, in what they're designing, what they're putting in the ground, what they're paving. Um, and I think that's where um, they're headed. I, don't, I wouldn't say that they're there yet um, because it's really difficult to talk about sustainability when you have communities who... Um, you know, may not even have a CIP. So they're just trying to get started um, and they're trying to fix things that have not been repaired for years. And so they, they have a lot of programs in place to really help those communities. Um, and here where I'm at in North Carolina, they're called distressed communities that um, have not had the dollars in place or the staff in place to take care of their systems and their assets. Um, so I think that it it's, focusing on those folks and getting them where they need to be. And then there's another kind of opportunity um, or opera set of opportunities out there for the folks who are kind of already there. And those are the, those are the programs who prioritize the sustainability more. And as we dive into some technology and some projects that Withers Ravenel is working on, you know, what are some of the more, 
maybe progressive or projects that your organization is really proud of uh, that's been implementing and working on over these last handful of years? Well, I don't know that I would call them like really progressive, but I think from grants and funding and finance, um, one thing that I'm really proud of, well, I have, I have kind of three things that, that come to mind. Um, our team works really closely with the funding agencies and making sure that we develop those relationships with the folks at the state and federal level to understand what their priorities are coming up, um, what their current programs are. We get really involved in the comment periods that they put out um, to give them feedback from you know, our client standpoint on what these programs need to look like, how they, they need to prioritize things to help these local governments. Um, one thing that's just really simple is we have a new stormwater program here in North Carolina that came out of the ARPA dollars. Um, our stormwater team, as well as our funding team, um, came together and put lots of comments into that comment period. Um, and I think it really had an impact on their priorities. Um, instead of just quality-based stormwater, we were looking at quantity because um, lots of areas that experience that quantity issue. Um, also, we're just now rolling out an online application process here in North Carolina for a lot of our infrastructure dollars, which is you know, kind of laughable in the sense that everything seems to be online. Um, but when you're talking about federal and state programs, a lot of times they are kind of behind in how they accept things. They want those paper documents on a certain day. Um, so we really had um, a hand in helping them to look at that online submittal process, um, developing it in a way that um, was user friendly. Um, so I think having that relationship really has made a big difference in our success. Um, but not just that, but for the success of all of our clients and the applications that they've been able to put in um, because we're able to understand what's going to be competitive um, and what they need um, and not just have priorities that aren't realistic to what's actually on the ground um, in these local communities. And um, I mean, we've been able to get 889 million plus million dollars for our clients. Um, so when, from a local government standpoint, that's, that's a lot of money that's gone into our communities um, and their streets and sidewalks and water and sewer. So it's nice to just drive through North Carolina and see the fruits of your labor. So that's probably the most exciting thing to me um, is to really see things come to fruition and, and know that you were a part of something bigger. Than just a funding strategy. That's awesome. Um, believe it or not, we're at the end of the show. Uh, we've 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 uh, we've we've completely run out of time. We're running a little over. That's great because there's been so much amazing information coming from you, Amanda. So thank you so much. Sure. Um, our last question we ask every single one of our guests um, is, you know, what is, uh, your own personal motto or what's a motto that, that you really have kind of, uh, grown to appreciate and live by? Um, do what you love because if you, if you don't love it, then it's not worth it. So, um, there's no amount of money that can change, um, how you feel each day going to work. And so if you're doing what you love, then it's not really work. Um, Second that. Yes. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. I love it. And, and you like all of our guests, you can kind of, you can tell by the way they talk about what they're talking about is they, they've not only become very good at something, but it's it, the reason they became good at it is because they, they have that passion in there. So and you can definitely, you can definitely hear it uh, with the, with the amount of information that you have in the way that you talk about it. So Amanda, thank you so much uh, for all of our, our listeners and our viewers how can they uh, how can they get in touch with you? How can they uh, hear more of, of what you have to say? Um, they can get in touch with me from our website, um, withersravenel.com, and uh, they can go to the funding uh, section on there. It'll have all of our information. Um, also, um, asset management has my information as well. So either link on our website, they should be able to find me um, and get in touch. Awesome. Well, again, thank you so much for joining us, Nick. Thank you so much yeah. for, for, for helping out today as well. Uh, and for everybody listening and viewing, thank you so much. And uh, until next time, stay connected. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Connected Construction Show. For more information, visit us at connectedconstructionshow.com.